Eric, and this is a show about spiritual lifestyle and personal evolution. I'm an evolutionary astrologer, a clairvoyant, and a thought leader, and I started this podcast to have more eclectic conversations about astrology as well as all things spiritual and personal development. On this episode, I had a conversation about dharma, business, and alignment with Adam Carney. Adam is an artist and the founder of East West. He spent the last 10 years traveling through India and Bali studying yoga in non-traditional settings and searching for the best yoga teachers on earth. He is certified in integrative health from Duke University. Alignment. Alignment, as we spoke of it here, was about making aligned life choices and navigating the process of being open for aligned opportunities to arise while navigating the reality that we are thrown a lot of unaligned choices our way as well and what it means to wait and be patient for that right opportunity. We also spoke of alignment in the context of listening to that inner spark of excitement and taking the leap to act on those sparks, whether they are bigger decisions like traveling or moving somewhere or starting a business or perhaps smaller decisions like going to a particular event on a particular day or taking some given fork in the road and making this decision not because you logically know why, but because something in you is lighting up about it. From the perspective of astrology, We have these given planetary transits that happen at specific moments. So we know that, you know, on this particular day in the future, this auspicious alignment is going to happen. And that can be symbolic, you know, at this moment, the way I'm thinking about it, symbolic of the way that certain things are scheduled to happen at certain times. We're not going to get too deep here into fate or free will, but the planetary transit is scheduled to happen, you know, like just like we knew that the conjunction of Saturn and Pluto in Capricorn was going to happen on January 12th, 2020. We knew that long before that date, right? So you may have a planetary transit or an alignment and it's going to happen on a particular day. And then there's all that time before that thing happens. So let's replace planetary transit with meeting a life partner, or receiving an invitation to a event that changes your life, right? So something that happens at a particular moment in time and what it means to be open to seeing and working with that opportunity when it appears and how you navigate the space in between the appearance of that opportunity. And so certain big life choices or big life opportunities happen Um, at various points in our experience. And then there's also these daily micro opportunities that come up that may speak to us in terms of, a you know, feeling lit up on the inside or feeling curiosity about something and how we stay open or receptive to those micro signals that are about putting us on track in our life. And um, something that always has really stuck with me was I was listening to the radio one day and I I don't remember who said this, but a musician was being interviewed and she says, every dog has their day and you can work on your karma in the meantime. And so she was talking about, you know, the day arises where something big happens, but, you know, or you're waiting for some horizon point, like 
becoming successful at your endeavor or finding love, you know, whatever it is. And all you can do is be present to your life in the meantime and make good choices in the meantime. So that's something that I'm thinking about as um, emergent from this conversation in terms of thinking about what is what is the nature of those aligned big opportunities in life? What are the little ones that happen every day? We also talked on this episode about monogamy versus polyamory, mostly in passing. So I wanted to clarify for people here, especially you who may be polyamorous, um, that we didn't cover that topic in like a super nuanced or balanced way, per se. We covered it in passing and had some angled critique at polyamory when it's used to um, basically choose a bunch of unaligned partners and diversify your needs being met. And I understand that some people are polyamorous in responsible and magical ways. Some polyamorous people I know are the most like of the most excellent communicators I've ever met. Um, I also understand that monogamy and polyamory are both legitimate relationship styles, each with their own unique shadow potentials as well. So perhaps a conversation that could be had in more detail here on the podcast another day. Just wanted to throw that out there because I don't want to leave the polyamorous people in the audience hanging here. And also there's a difference between casually dating multiple people and being in relationship with multiple people, which is not something we combed out here either. We approach the idea rather of monogamy and the angle of alignment here. So being aware of what you really want and being patient for that aligned match to materialize. I always really enjoy Adam's clarity, focus, brightness, and grounded wisdom. This conversation had me reflecting a lot on the nature of focus, which is something we talked about, and discipline, or if you'd like to call it devotion. And this question has come up in my headspace recently. That is, what are you doing today to materialize your dreams? which is a pretty pitta or fire kind of question to ask because we could just go through life intuitively feeling our way, being with the moment. But what is it like to know where you want to be in seven years? And what are you doing every day to meet that eventual horizon point? It's coming up in my headspace, I think, this, what are you doing today to materialize your dreams? Um, I think it's coming up because taking aligned action consistently is not only a form of discipline or devotion, but it's what takes daydreams or ideas into action and into the material plane. So I don't know who needs to hear this, but it's been in my headspace really loud in that sense of sure you want this thing or you want this um, attunement or alignment in your life, but what are you doing to get there? And I think that it takes, there's like a focus quality or a real pitta quality to analyzing that question and sitting with the realities of like, well, what am I doing to actually make space for this thing in my reality or to call it into being with my actions? And we explored a little bit of the difference here between say in business or in your personal creativity, you can take action every day to um, materialize that. And if the thing that you're calling in is love or partnership, the 
qualities, you know, of the ways that you may be calling that in don't look the same as your ambition. It is a kind of openness or maybe an emergent process or being with the intimacy that you have with yourself. And energetically, I think it is definitely different than the pursuit of worldly success or business, which is where that idea of alignment and patience is so medicinal. So if you enjoy this podcast, please support a year ahead by backing my current Kickstarter campaign that ends July 19th. We are on day 23 at the time I record this with 86 backers and $13,602. We passed the 12K minimum that this campaign needed to be funded on Kickstarter, which means all the rewards will be fulfilled. You backing is essentially not just backing, but also you'll definitely get the thing that you back. Um, And my goal is to pass last year's funding by having more than 115 backers and 20,000. The Kickstarter is about a year ahead of weekly forecasts, which I share to this podcast as well, and Magic of the Spheres episodes. It takes everyone to crowdfund, so please feel into your heart and your generosity if you love this podcast and gift it back by supporting another year. Thank you so much to everyone who has supported so far. The link is in the notes. Don't wait till the last minute. For backers, I'm offering talks on the astrology of 2022, visualization magic, and the astrological eros, the asteroid eros, as well as a new creative writing course, Image Hive, that is a live course, discounted tuition to the upcoming Evolutionary Astrology Intensive, half off, spaces to book a reading with me, and the replay of last year's online presence as performance art class which is 10 hours of content about enchanting the internet. So don't wait, click the link in the notes and support this podcast today. And here's the conversation that I had with Adam Carney of East West. Welcome to the podcast, Adam. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Yeah. Thanks for having me. Like your space is so beautiful. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. So tell me and tell the listeners um, a little bit about yourself and how you got on the yogic path. Yeah. Um, I started practicing yoga when I was was 19. Actually, the first time I ever did yoga was on. Do you know what P90X is? No. It's the home workout program. So that was the first time I ever did yoga. And um, a number of years later, I, I went to Bali and that was the first time I ever had an energetic experience with it where the, the teacher was talking about heart opening and I left just feeling in love with the world and, and, uh, and that, that's what really caught me. And a couple years after that, I went to India and did my teacher training, which that was probably the most monumental shift in my life is the the teacher training in India. Um, and obviously inspired me to create East West because that's what we do. We, we run yoga teacher trainings. Um, I, I think of, I think of my life in really two categories. There was before I did my training and then after it was like that distinct of a shift. Mm. Um, yeah, now I, I have probably the coolest job in the entire world. Um, I'm the founder and, uh, I don't really use the title CEO, but the founder and CEO of, of East West. We're one of the largest, uh, yoga teacher training companies in the world. We do all of our events in Bali, Costa Rica. We've done a couple in Thailand, a couple in India. Um, but we do these, uh, big remote teacher trainings, which is what I did in India. And it was like a lot of the journey has actually just been improving on the, the experiences that I had in India. 
Um, and obviously since COVID we've been online and we're just now going back to in person, we have our first live training again in Costa Rica next month. Um, so yeah, that's, that's me. What was the before and after distinction? I'm, I'm a, I'm a, I was a, a bro from Chicago. <laughs> so I, I, I grew up in a suburb. Um, I went, when I was like 14, I, I picked up a book on Zen Buddhism and I, it was interesting to me, but there was never any sense of like, this is me, you know, this, this is something that is a part of my life. Um, put briefly just embodiment a lot. I, I, before I was reading, excuse me, before I was on the teacher training, I was reading a lot of wisdom. I would read books by the Dalai Lama and, you know, Khalil Gibran, who we were just talking about. And then when you go on a yoga training, it's like, oh, that's me. All that, all that wisdom is here. And I have access to that. I have access to live that. So that, yeah, I would say that was the shift. Um, and I think just also opening, using that as an inroad to open up with the type of connections that I wanted in my life. So, you know, people like you, where our connection is the root of our connection is something of spirit. It is something of wisdom. And I've just found that all of my friendships have just, just reorganized around that. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. Yeah. I love the way that you like in conversations with you, you've talked about alignment and discernment and you're a Virgo son. So I feel like. That's radiant essence Virgo stuff to be talking about alignment and discernment and, you know, create magic with that. Yeah, actually. So we the reason that we're doing this podcast is so we're at a party together and um, we were sitting. It was like a very typical Portland party, you know, like um, super fun party. Um, And I think I said I shared something with you that just the way that I found myself making decisions in my life now, um, particularly the major life decisions, like where I'm going to live, who I'm going to have as my partners um, in business and in life. And I actually, so, so brief story, a, a, a number of years back, I was staying in an ashram in Sonoma uh, for my, tw- it was my 25th birthday, which in the Vedic times, that's the tw- your 25th birthday is this actually big shift because they, they, they uh, divide your life into quarters. So your first 25 years is really all about learning. You're there just to learn about the world. And, and so at 25, you're shifting into um, basically being someone who just in, you're t- from 25 to 50, you're engaging with the world. Like that is of nature for you to be engaging in the world in that, in that time period. And that's really your, your purpose is in that time period. So I was shifting in that my, and the, the, the Babaji, the, the leader of that ashram, um, he's a, a really awesome, just very grounded, um, very sort of fatherly, masculine presence. He, he took me out on a little walk and he asked me the question. He said, Adam, how many how many decisions have you made in your life? Like decisions like this is what I'm going to be for my entire life. And, you know, that's coming from a man uh, who who had devoted his whole life to, he gave away everything just to be a monk for people in Sonoma. Um, so I received this like really beautiful transmission in that moment from him that there's something about when we use that as our decision, our, our, our filter for our decisions. It's like, what, what can, what decision can I make that I can be comfortable with for my entire life and how my life has shifted since I started using that as my filter. 
I, I bought this house that we're sitting in with that. And I, I, I never think about it because this is just my house and I'll live here forever. And I just take that into now people that I hire. I take that into, um, just really all of the major decisions that I make in my life. And, and to me, that is the essence of alignment because what you're aligning to is not necessarily like, I don't know if I'll live in this house forever, but from my, from what I presently have access to, I can say I'm, I'm accessing the deepest part of myself to, to that I have available to me right now to make that decision, which is, which is inherently the most aligned decision that you could make. And yeah, so that's that was where that that was the conversation that this that this spawned from about alignment. And and I understood, I always heard people talk about alignment, alignment. I didn't really know what that meant. And then for me, when I started to see it from that perspective, I actually started to understand when I was making an aligned decision and when I wasn't. Ah, so there's a little bit of backstory here for that day, because I feel like that was a that conversation was pretty close to this exact alignment of Saturn and Uranus square. Hmm. And I felt like we were just on the porch, it's raining and there could have been lightning happening, but there wasn't. But in my consciousness there was because what we were talking about was lighting up so Hmm. much for me. Hmm. But that weekend I basically was coming out of some, I guess like discouraging dating experiences since I've come to Portland (laughs) (laughs) and I was feeling really, um, down about it. And, um, it had gotten to a place where I had just kind of gotten into a mood of despair and I did something that I normally would not, which is broadcast that on Twitter. (laughs) You broadcast your despair on Twitter. Yeah. Yeah. And I was basically saying, I'm afraid of being single my entire life Mm. and I'm exhausted of keeping the faith. Yeah. 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 And more than a hundred people liked it. People like were really sweet to me. And like my friend from England, Rudy, like called me or we talked on Facebook messenger. And then we had a phone conversation at the end of the day, this synchronicity had occurred where, you know, and I basically told him my situation, he's training to be like a Jungian therapist. So he had really great things to say. Yeah. That synchronicity had come up that told me, go pray at a tree, (laughs) like bring a bowl of water and a candle. (laughs) And so I prayed and I asked for a few specific things, including synchronicities to like re-enchant me with life and to be connected with people that, um, I'm a better fit with basically. And yeah, yeah. You know, asking for partnership and whatnot. So then pretty much that day and the next day, all of these wild synchronicities occurred. Mm. One was that someone commented on my Instagram saying she'd seen me at the beach. Um, Mm. and it just so happened that she also lives in Vancouver, which is where I'm staying currently. So I went to go get a drink with her, like kind of spur of the moment, told her my, my woes, (laughs) the things that I had just come out of, you know, and she made this joke of like, Oh, you need to date like five people <laughs> to fulfill all your needs. <laughs> so, so, and is that something that like you would do? No, I'm not looking to be polyamorous right now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it was a joke really. And, but then we were talking and I didn't even bring up relationship, but you said, you know, that you're in Saturn return and offered to tell me what you've learned about it. Yeah. And what stuck with me was that you were talking about um, when you know who you are, you and you're discerning, you can really be patient. Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. That, 
that was, I think, also the thing that was coming to me in in that time period of a couple of weeks ago is that, you know, like when when you have one thing in your life that's really, really working, like for you, it seems like you have a really great relationship with your your creativity and your your job and yeah. and your community. And the rest of your life needs to harmonize with that. It, and, and if, and if it doesn't, it will pull that down. And so the moment you have one thing in your life that is on that frequency, everything else, it, it sets your standard. And so the challenge with that is that you, you have to be those, those opportunities, they don't come often. A, a truly aligned opportunity doesn't come often. And you see, you see this in nature. It's like, you know, with, we're sitting in the woods right now and with, with most trees, they'll spread tens of thousands of seeds and only one or two of them might become a tree. And to me, that's, that's the process is it's like, you've got to weed through, you got to weed through all of the bad opportunities, but still stay open for the the one and not get closed off to the, the couple yeah. that are really aligned. There's this great story. Um, my teacher told me this. I don't know where this comes from, but there's a story of a, of a man who finds his treasure map um, at the Library of Alexandria in Egypt. And um, the treasure map says, well, excuse me, it's a map that leads you to the, the fountain of youth, like eternal life. And so it says, go to this beach in southern Africa. And if you find the stone that is the warm stone on the beach, this is the this is the, the elixir of life. So the guy like leaves his, leaves his family, everything in Egypt. And he, he goes on this long journey down to the beach. So he finds the beach. So he goes, he's looking at it and there's, there's thousands and thousands, tens of, of thousands of these stones. And so on the first day he, he picks one up, it's cold and he throws it, picks one up, it's cold and he throws it. And he does this for, for 20 years, just picking up stones, looking for the warm stone, pick, pick up a stone, cold, throws it. Finally, one morning he wakes up, he goes down, picks up a stone, it's cold, throws it. Picks up a stone, it's cold, throws it. Picks up a stone, it's warm, and he throws it. <laughs> and, and the idea is that most, most of the things that we will experience, most, most of the situations that we are brought to will not be aligned, but you still need to stay very open and present to the one that is, because you've got to go full into that one. Right. Hmm. So that's what we were talking about. And it is, it's hard because, because we do, we have to be patient and, and, you know, I'm, I'm there with you. Like I'm, I'm also desiring a partner and I feel like my life is very fit for that. But the process for me now is like really, really waiting for that one that I'm a hundred percent on board with and not the one that I'm even like 80 or 90. Yeah. And those, it's just, it's like so rare. And, and other than just sort of, um, pray to trees and stuff like that, <laughs> I don't know what else to, to do because nothing else, nothing else yeah. seems to work, but there is sort of that faith also that when I think what you were sharing is like, when you have, when you just have the faith, when you have the belief that it's coming, that is almost enough. So I love that story. And there was, you know, you were just speaking so much to me in that moment. That was exactly what I needed to hear mm. because I had had this 
maybe just a thought construct that wasn't super aligned of like, I should, you know, try to date and like be experiencing that. Yeah. yeah. And it's, it's never fulfilling in yeah, that way. Yeah. And so just, but then the fear of like, well, I don't want to be alone, you know, but to think about it more in terms of patience was a really good reframe. But then as yeah. far as the synchronicity, you said to me something, you were like, um, people choose like five unaligned people to date, like <laughs> in terms of polyamory. Oh, yeah, yeah. Right. And just that you use the number five and that this woman earlier used the number five. I didn't catch it in the moment, but it settled in my consciousness mm-hmm. as I was falling asleep that night. And I realized that that was kind of one of those magical synchronicities I'd been praying for. Yeah. But there was something about just what you shared in that moment that felt like a transmission and like kind of like a message from spirit channeled through you is like what it felt like to me. That's like, yeah, that's really sweet. Yeah. That, you know, just be patient and you, that I don't need to waste my energy on something that, you know, isn't aligned. Right. And I've also been in the process of looking for a home to buy and I'll walk in a home and be like, can I commit to this? Yeah. It's teaching me a lot. Totally. Yes. And, and yeah, you'll spend, you'll spend more time alone. You'll spend more time waiting. Um, but each it's like each one of those things that, that you, when you do make a choice, it's so precious to you and you just give all of your care to it. And, and you don't have to think about it. You don't have, you don't have to process it. Like I don't think about, should I do another company or should I live somewhere else? Like that's not part of my process on any level anymore. I'm here. I live here. I live here for life. I'm in my company for life. And now all of my love and energy goes into those things. And to me, that's, that's how you really start to like build a life that is just harmonious because you're not, you're not constantly wavering on decisions. I, one, a yoga teacher in LA said that she had just gotten married like the week before. And she was like, I can't tell you how nice it is to just not be thinking about that anymore. It's like, I've made my decision. This is my person for life. And yeah, there's something really divine about that. I will say, I think, you know, a lot of the the reason a lot of people go to polyamory is because the traditional, um, the traditional sort of monogamous relationship, I think polyamory is better than that, but I don't think it's better than a truly divinely aligned partner. yeah. So, so, you know, I've, I've also processed those, those things as well. And yeah, you know. I feel like it's a big question for our generation because it feels like the structure of relationship is being reinvented. Right. Uh, but some people still may choose monogamy, which seems more conventional, but it's almost like, yeah, just what's a person's individual truth. Right. Um, yeah. And, and, I, I, I almost feel like I I noticed this recently that the people who have relationships that I truly admire, it's no coincidence that all of those people are doing their life's work. Hmm. And there's, there's a saying in Sanskrit that, that when, when you protect your Dharma, your Dharma protects you. And I interpret that as that when when we only focus on our life's purpose and what that's supposed to be and discovering that and being in that and nurturing that everything else, the relationships, the people, the partners, what are the circumstances, the finances, those will all arrange around that. But I think that that's been, that's, a, that's 
you know, when I look at people and I could name a bunch of examples of just people who are just so in their life's work and they love their work and, and, and that's the center of their life. There's something about that that resonates with me that, um, that feels like, yes, that's what we're here to do. That's what humans are here to do is find that. Um, and, and there've been times when I've, I've gotten away from that in order to create a partnership. And that has always created discord for me. But when I'm focused entirely on my Dharma, you know what I'm, when I say Dharma, I'm, I mean, some people might not know what that, that term means, but that, that means your life's work, your, your passionate life's work. The thing that you wake up and you're excited to do all the time, the thing where you're, you're serving the world and you're raising the frequency of the earth. It just, it's, it's, it's so you, it's your unique thing that you're meant to bring into the world. That's what I am talking about when I say Dharma. But yeah, when, when we focus on that, everything just, everything clicks. I love that. And you're offering a Dharma course through East West. Yeah, that's new. And, um, it's been funny cause I, I, I never, in, I, I never, ever, ever intended to, uh, do that work with people where I'm, I'm helping them with, with their work relationship. Um, but you know, one, I have this weird gift, like all throughout my life. Um, I, I trained my best friend when we were 20 to be entrepreneurs. And he's, the, he's the CEO of a founder and CEO of a $1.5 billion company. Now I'm not saying that's my work, but I think that, uh, there's been multiple occasions like that where the, the sort of perspectives that I've given people throughout their life, help them, um, do well, like well with money and also well, just with ease. I think, um, people are always asking me like, what do you do? Cause I, I don't feel like I'm working and I have a, a really, really, really good relationship with my work. Um, not from the standpoint of like, I have this super exciting life and I travel all over the world. You know, I, I'm not, I've never seen it as that I, for me, it's, it's really about the, the energetic work that we do and what our organization does like for our teachers and how we support them. But yeah, I've just, I, I have a really good relationship with my work. And so People just ask me all the time. They, they come to me for, for advice around their work. And so Vijet, our teacher from India, who is, um, Vijet's a, a profound, profound, very young. He's only 30, but he's a profound Vedic teacher. Just, he grew up in, in a, in a Vedic family in India. And so him and I are, are running this course where we're going to support people as they, most of the people in the course are transitioning jobs. And just us helping them align with their work because at work, it's, I, I just see so many blind spots in people's relationship to their work. Um, and you hear all the time, you know, I see on Instagram people now talking about how your relationship is your romantic relationship, your partner, it's a reflection, right? And, and it's a spiritual tool to learn about yourself. Um, that, that is exactly what we teach, how we teach people to look at their work. Your work is also a reflection of your consciousness. And to me, it's one of the, it is one of the best reflections of our consciousness because I mean, one, we spend so much time with it. Um, but you can receive all sorts of reflections from it. Like, okay. I'm, you know, a number of years ago, I received a, a, a pretty difficult reflection in, in my work of like, we were growing like crazy. I mean, we'd become one of the largest yoga teacher training companies in the world in like a year, you know, we were just exploding with growth. Um, but, but 
I was feeling like our team was not happy. Like they were stressed. They weren't, there was something that wasn't, they didn't feel taken care of. And so I received that as a reflection of like, okay, Adam, you've done a really good job of like certain things, like building, getting the right people, doing the marketing, all that. But I wasn't, I was, there was this huge blind spot of like, how am I taking care of my team? And so for me, the rest of the year, I just, I shift, use that reflection to shift my focus. And so for people who are, you know, working in a corporate job and hating it and stressed, like the reflection might be, okay, I've learned how to create security for myself, but I'm also, I also have work patterns that are causing me a bunch of stress and causing me to be unhealthy and, and causing me to, you know, you know, you can, you can learn so much about your consciousness by, by looking at it that way. Um, so that's what we train people to do. And, and we just take them through a process of really realigning with their Dharma and what they really want to be doing and, and making it, making it their reality. That's awesome. Yeah. I've been learning a lot from having my own business for years and just, you know, let's talk about that. Yeah. I want to talk about your business. Cause I, yeah, I just want to like know about your, your relationship and like how it, how it came about. Oh, this is, I love sometimes when interviews get turned back to me cause I'm like surprised. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I just knew when I was, um, basically I had a spiritual awakening when I was 21 and I was in college and, um, (laughs) the spiritual awakening resulted in me speaking without filter because I had a dream that told me to do that. And I just listened. Wow. Um, and then that resulted in me getting psychiatric treatment against my will. (laughs) And I faked my way out of psychiatric attention. Um, you know, after trying to argue my way out and realizing that that wouldn't help. Totally. Um, totally. It's really interesting once you have a diagnosis or you're thought of as insane in some way that you, your word doesn't matter at that point. Right. That's so, so scary. Yeah. It was intense. And I found astrology. I mean, I'd been into it since I was a kid, but I found this particular branch evolutionary astrology that hmm. helped me make sense of what was happening Right. and the shadow work involved in it. Like I realized that you know, me speaking the truth without filter was not actually coming from a place of goodwill. It was coming from a place of wanting to be validated by the external for my internal awakening. Yeah. 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 And so just getting all these reframes and learning how to navigate reality more skillfully. Um, I saw that the only thing I wanted to do was to be a novelist and an astrologer. Hmm. I thought the novelist was the most important part at first, but you know, created a blog, just started to share from my soul. Like I see these little blue lights that look like stars when I write yeah. and they guide my transmissions. And so I would just share what's lit with the world <laughs> essentially. <laughs> and, um, there was just certain, I think like a, you know, a period of being financially supported by my parents in college. And then a little bit after college as well, where yeah. I had that kind of you know, familial support and just the desire, number one priority in my life, figure out how to make this a business that works. So I'd work with coaches and just kind of figure out like how to create a business around the truest impulse inside of me around sharing astrology with people. Right. So, so when you look at like your, your work relationship now, and you see that as a reflection, what, what, what do you, what do you see back from that? I see like 
people that really resonate with, I feel like they're resonating with the fields that I'm tapping into Hmm. because some people I think pass by my work and maybe they just don't understand what I'm talking about. And I feel like they just kind of leave me alone. Like I've never really had a problem with haters or trolls. Yeah. Cause they just don't understand. Yeah. Yeah. So I feel like there's this, I don't even know how to (laughs) diss you. Yeah. (laughs) I understand it. I'm not very polemic with my brand either. Yeah. You know, I'm really, but I mean more of like your, your life and what, what your work has done to your life overall. I mean, you don't seem like you have any, any, any stress or anxiety about work. Um, you know, I do sometimes, I really love, um, you know, I've been in this practice of writing forecasts every week. I sit down on Saturdays to write them and I'm on my seventh year of doing that now. Wow. And I love seeing clients. I love teaching. I think the stress that I'm under right now is just that I have a lot of projects on the burner all the time. Right. Yeah. And you were sharing that you're, you're thinking about hiring someone for the first time. Yeah. Which, and I don't know how to do that. <laughs> yeah. That's an exciting time. And and you'll start to receive in a way, it's kind of like entering in a, in a lesser way. It's like entering the realm of being a parent. Like you are responsible for, for the people that are on your team, whether you want to be or not. They, and that's, this has been one of my reflections is that I never wanted that responsibility. I always wanted it to be like, yeah, we're just equal. Cause I come from like building tech companies in a garage, like in, in a coffee shop, you know? And so it's like, there's no power dynamics in that. But when you're hiring someone like you, you are responsible for them. And for me, taking responsibility over someone's well-being has been, has been a big uh, yeah. part of, part of being in the role that I'm in and that I'm in and, and learning to do that. And also just, just reflecting like how, how do you get what you need? How do you get someone to understand and do what you need them to do? That's a, that's a hard thing. Yeah. Right. Because you're dealing with that person's conditioning and their beliefs and their schedule and their needs. So yeah. There's another thing in there too, around like when I'm working with clients that have, you know, they're astrologers, for example, and they want to do astrology full time and stop working at another job. Right. One thing that I'll reflect to them is that if you're going to go full time doing your own thing, you don't have like, you don't get your job security anymore from like, this other employer, which means that you end up having to integrate at a deeper soul and personality level, that level of authority and responsibility because you're not answering to an employer anymore, but you are answering to your Dharma and, you know, work isn't always like, even if you have a dream job, I don't think it's always rainbows. Like you still have to like deal with stuff and it will show you that and confront Absolutely. you with that. Well, one, one thing I think that I noticed about what you said is like, you've been writing those for seven years and that, I think some people hear that and they're like, oh my God, how could she do that much work? But I'm sure you don't experience it as work. It's just what's flowing through you. It's like, you, can, you almost can't not do it. And I think yeah. that's the hard thing to find for a lot of people in the beginning. And a lot of what we do in the course as well is just help people find that thing. And it's there. Everyone has it. It has to. It, if you're alive, you have it. It's just that it's just it, it's like kind of zeroing in on what that is and what those moments are where magic is happening and just putting more of the attention to that. And and so, you know, for for I think a lot of it is is like you're talking about. Yeah. How do you how do you transition from having an authority figure in your life and being told what to do to like, wow, I'm totally, 
I'm totally on my own. Yeah. I forgot about that because to be honest, I mean, I started so young. I started my first business when I was like 17. I was going door to door, literally like just walking into, into restaurants. And I did that too as a teenager did you? with like my astrology flyers and stuff. Seriously? Yeah. yeah. And and that that to me, it's like once you can do that, you can do anything. Nothing scares you anymore. Cause I know, and I was selling design services. And so yeah, there, there's a transitioning is a big, it's a big thing. Cause I think a lot of people just do the, do it unconsciously where they're just like, I need to, they're reacting from their old job, but there's a way you can do it intelligently, you know, like maybe cut down some of your hours at your old job. So you still have a basic security, but yeah. enough, enough of a push where you're like, I need to maybe the, within the first three months, just start making one or $2,000 a month. Like that's a really good, healthy way to do it. Um, yeah. So how did that, how did your transition go? Like how long did it take you to get from when you first started doing it to when you were doing it full time? So I feel like I've been working full time for years, but I wasn't necessarily making a salary at my full time work. Yeah. So that was like a consistent, you know, yearly reflection, but, um, it was 2020 that I just kind of like it was my new year's resolution to make a salary. And I saw like, I worked with coaches about it. I created a Kickstarter for the first time. And I also created like higher ticket offerings. Right. And then I feel like it just kind of opened up where like, now I know how to, you know, and also like my courses have started to enroll like around 20 to 30 people each time. And I used to have like maybe eight people sign up when I first started. And for you, what was the thing that you did where it felt like it clicked? You're like, okay, I feel it now. It's, it's working. It was quantum stuff around working with my belief systems around what I believed was possible. And I really get this image of like these different, um, irrigation systems or canals that energy can flow through you like currency or money or success or opportunities. Yeah. Yeah, And so one of them was like starting to coach people one-on-one and, you know, have a six month or one year relationship with people. Right. And I would come up with the thought construct of like, I'm going to sign three people this week and Hmm. dealing with all of my laundry list beliefs about why that was not possible, why people wouldn't want to work with me, why I wasn't qualified and rewriting all of those. And my inbox would fill up with people who were interested in working with me right after I worked through those things. That is so crazy. Yeah. So that was what my coach Lucia has taught me is that, um, we're creators with our thoughts. Um, and, and, and so, so do you think that that then changed your, your presentation with like how you're writing or how you're speaking that then led to people attracting you? Or do you think it was purely like like ethereal. I think it's ethereal and quantum. And it's also like, I see myself as constantly gaining transmissions from working through things that I can share with clients. So now, because I went through that, when I have clients that are trying to generate more clients, I actually know how to guide them through that. Interesting. Cause I, I'm, I, I haven't personally experienced something so much like that. For me, it's always been more like I, I changed our language, you know, it's something more kind of, 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 of the world. Well, there's definitely that too. Cause I yeah. see, you yeah. know, I tell people, uh, to just sell their offerings. Don't use phrases. Like if you feel called to work with me. Oh, there's like, so much. Yeah. I mean, yeah. that's like, like I I'm thinking about language constantly, you know, and, and like rewriting our stuff. So 
Um, yeah, that, and that, that stuff is too. super deep and nuanced. Um, what I've, what I've been really seeing, I, I was trying to like distill what are those moments for people? What, what is that moment? What's the shift that people get? I think belief systems is a really big one. It was also just kind of like, this is my one New Year's resolution. Like, this is what I'm going to figure out. Just that focus. Yeah. yeah. That focus is something a lot of people don't have. And you're, I, I think I pointed out to you that I feel like you, you have a lot of pit to nature, which you would, I don't think a I lot of people shocked. would see. Yeah. I don't think a lot of people <laughs> would see that. Cause that's not in your, that's not in your, your, um, it's not in your, uh, property, which is your, um, uh, excuse me, that's not in your, your vicarity, which is like your present state, but your, your, your nature is actually like focus. It's the, the steady gaze. And that's, those are the type of people who the focus is everything. And focus is like being able to one sacrifice a lot of things in life that a lot of people, other people do, because you know that those are distractions. Yeah. So limiting distractions is, is, is so essential to developing Some that focus. Thoughts are distractions too, like Absolutely. all the negative self-limiting beliefs. Absolutely. And then, yeah, I, I like what you said about that. The, the, the beliefs is huge, is huge because some people just, you know, we carry so many unconscious beliefs about money and what we're worthy of and what we can and can't do. And then the other thing for me, and we had a, we, we had a, a, a brief conversation about this also is, um, it's that moment, that moment where you receive something positive back from your output. Cause, because what I see a lot of people do, I see this a lot with artists is that they'll be working on something for like two years or a book for two years. And it's, it's, they're like a beautiful woman that gets all dressed up and is just hiding in the closet. And it's like, you need to put it out in some small way to receive that, receive that internal reward of like, Oh, this did something for someone yeah, or I received something back. It's that feedback loop. Of, yeah. I was going to ask you. Like, yeah. 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 It's, it's the, so I've, I've started to think about it like that. It's like, how can I, how can I take what I really want to do and then find something small to, we train yoga teachers. So I'll, I'll tell people like your first, literally your first day you finish your training, just give your friend a class because that's a feedback loop of in the beginning, this helped my friend. And in the beginning, that's enough. And, and if you, if you're not receiving that, that and this is what they, this is how they train entrepreneurs in Y Combinator, which is where they built, you know, Uber and, Airbnb and all these companies, they train them to find the early feedback loops. And in that case, they're talking about money. Like how do you, how do you just get someone to pay you for anything as soon as possible? And in this context, we're talking about just how do you receive anything back from your Dharma? Cause that's the fuel. So yeah, I think, I think if you have both that do that belief system work, like you were talking about and have the focus and the clarity and the, the, you know, the discernment to find where you can, you can just receive anything back from it. It starts to take on a momentum. And that's really how I've started to see Dharma unfold is it's not just, I, I think there's people who talk about your Dharma and your life's work as if it's something that you were born with. And I, I don't know. I, that, 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 I think there's an element of that that is true, but I think it's equally just where do you find a good feedback loop? And, and the fastest way for people to find a feedback loop is a job because you work for two weeks or a month and then you get something back. That's a feedback loop. I got something from this. And that's the, that's the one that everyone is stuck in 
and we we can't imagine one outside of that, but they're everywhere. They're yeah, everywhere. So like being more imaginative about feedback loops. Totally. Because these are totally. even. Um, I have noticed this energetic of because I have email notifications when people sign up for things with me or when people reach out. Yes. Usually people yes. reach out to me to work with me when I'm already doing astrology work in that moment. Like I'm already in the middle of a reading. Interesting. Or when I'm particularly open, like right. in my being. And it's just been wild because it shows me in real time what activities, you know, are connected to this. I thought um, you were going to say like just from just for th that notification that you get that email, like someone signed up for this, even if it's five bucks, that's, that's my favorite part of the day. Yeah. I used to have it when we first started, I had it set up on my phone. So, so that when we would get one, it would go ching. Yeah. Just for the fun, you know, like, yeah, I remember too, I used to have like a horoscope subscription when I first started and I transitioned out of that cause it wasn't aligned for me, but I remember the first time someone signed up, it was like the morning of my college graduation and I'd had my right. cart open for maybe like a week or two and was just like waiting. But I like jumped up around my room and I was so excited and it was really just $5, but it meant so much <laughs> to me at the time. That's a, it's a perfect example. Yeah. And yeah. And to some but, people, like I, one of my exes, uh, she had a six-year-old son and on one of our trainings, um, I had him, we started a little cookie business and he would just, he made a cookie. We made him a little logo and he'd slap him on the, on the a little plastic bag and he'd sell them to the girls for like three bucks for the cookie. But he made like $40 from feeling like he sold something. And I, it, you, the, when you're young, like you can't, you can't ever understand how meaningful those are because that's the confidence that's of like a successful I can kid do cookie this. business like so $40. successful 40 bucks <laughs> he could he could buy all the all the toys and and then when he you know he's like in he's like hey i want that cookie i'm like yeah use your money i don't care do whatever you want <laughs> <laughs> so you're talking about feedback loops like there's a social element to them like it's like circulating um Yes. I think to me, that's where it starts because I mean, I work with a lot of healers and a lot of the people that sign up for our program are healers. And so if you're a massage therapist, if you're a astrologer, if you're a um, therapist, if you're a yoga teacher, if you're an Akashic record reader, um, no one's probably no one's going to pay you right away. That's another thing that I right? learned from doing this. Yeah. Like a lot and, of trade and free work. Yeah. And, and so I think uh, one is there's no sort of reputational element, but two also there, there is a, there's a way of that, you, that you, as you keep doing something, you just develop a confidence and that confidence that you gain of the repetition is what inspires people to look at you and say, okay, they are worthy of my pay. You know, I might sit into something for free, but when someone, when you feel that mastery that someone has developed, that's when we feel like we're comfortable enough to to yeah. pay. And so, so, but yeah, in the beginning you don't have that. And so you've got to rely on, like Iyengar said in, in your first year as a yoga teacher, you should be paying people to come to your class. They shouldn't be paying you. Like you need to just get hours teaching. And so That's super interesting. Cause yeah. I feel like there's a, an idea around self-worth and like being worthy of money that people do think of that concept when they're first starting out. So they they get stuck and they get trapped because yeah they're not attracting 
paying clientele yet, but there's a fear around, well, what would it say about my self-worth if I did this for free? And it's like, totally, totally. I gave so many free astrology readings and did like, I did hours, like 115 hours of right. like research that was right. unpaid. And I asked people to volunteer, you put the hours in. Yeah. but it really changed everything. And it's like you, it's different because you tap into this deeper level of devotion and motivation when yeah. you're literally not getting paid for it. I just, I have a really funny story around that actually. When yeah. in a couple of years ago in Bali, um, I was, I was interviewing this, this teacher for a, a teaching role. And I swear to God, she had just come off of some course where she was being taught to, to value herself. And she was like a new, newer ish teacher. I mean, she wasn't at the level of, she, she would have been sort of like a lower level teacher in our system. And we have, you know, like very, very t- teachers, 20, 30 years experience. She had been, been maybe teaching like three or four years, but she comes into the situation thinking that I would respond only to her belief systems about herself. Yeah. That's a component. Like you need that, that confidence and that self-worth, but you also need the hours. Like there's no, there's no getting around having the hours and the craft. And so it was this awkward interaction because she was like, no, I'm worth this much. I'm like, that's fine. If you want to think that, but I'm not, you're not in, in, I don't, I'm not going to, I'm not going to pay you because you're not, you're not actually circumstantially worth that in, in this situation. It's like, you don't have the experience. And she got so mad, like as if I was, you know, I didn't fit her program or whatever, because, um, and that's, that's, what's hard about being an entrepreneur is like you, you're faced with reality. You do have to have those conversations a lot. Cause I feel like people can write and they maybe want a discount. And sometimes you're open to that. And sometimes you're not. And just like being in integrity with yourself and having conversations with people. To to me, this is why, this is why that partnerships, relationships and business are the best reflections because it's just reality. Like there's not that many rules of business. Actually, it's mostly just people making stuff up. And so you're faced immediately with, with reality, you're always interfacing with reality. And, you know, so the reflection that you receive in the beginning might be like, man, I don't have the focus and the willpower to do this, you know? And that's the truth for a lot of people is, is that they're not, they're not, they don't have those qualities yet to, to really be alone. Like you were talking about, it's not that it's not, it's not easy, especially if you're diving in, I will say it takes a while to reorient your psychology to, to be an entrepreneur. Have you found ways that like what helps people develop that discipline or focus? Um, for me, yeah, I was actually thinking about this before you, before you came, I think it's actually a process of reduction. You know, I think if we think of focus as like, I'm going to sit here and just focus on this, like that's a very rigid process. I actually find it's the reduction of the other things. It's the absence of the other things. Like I live alone in the woods intentionally because all of my attention needs to go into holding space for my community. I can't be around other people. I can't, I can't be, have a a big social life like other people. And most people aren't willing to cut out their social life for their Dharma. That's what I'm talking about is when you cut out the garbage, the focus is just there because you don't have anything else to do. Right. And so, um, I'm, you know, I'm like many, many, many years into mine. And so that feels very natural for me. But I would ask people, if, if you struggle with focus, don't think about the moment of your work. Think about the things that you're being drawn that are drawing you away from it and note and, and, and take inventory of the things that you can cut out that are not really essential. 
and, and really bringing true harmony to your life because your Dharma will bring you harmony. It will bring you financial abundance. It'll bring you a sense of meaning, a sense of purpose, contribution, all of those things. So you're not, it's not that you're, it's, you're actually not sacrificing anything. You're just moving more towards your, your Dharma and things that are actually going to flower and, and blossom in your life. So, yeah, I think to me, that's, that's really it. I don't have any, like, I see these people who like train people on focus and to trick your mind. That's all short-term stuff. If yeah. you're, if you're, if the environment of your life is set up to be in your Dharma, it's, it's effortless. You don't have to like cajole your mind to do yeah. it, you know? Yeah. I've thought a lot about focus from the angle of thinking about Saturn or Capricorn mm. and it's about the structure. So like you mentioned your house and where it's located, those structural components make it easier for you to focus. Whereas if you lived in a busier area or like in a building with a bunch of friends in the right. same building or something like that, 100%. you would have more moments throughout the day of 100%. having to make a choice to uh, take time for yourself. Right. So you literally engineer right. into the environment and, what and you need. The other thing is for me is like, I, I, I make myself go out somewhere to do most of my, like if I'm going to be on the computer, I'm out of the house. The stuff that I don't want to do that I'm not excited to do, I'll do it out of the house. Cause there's something nice about like being around other people. I'll sit in a coffee shop and I'm like obsessed with coffee shops. I think I'm going to open one here in Portland, by the way. Um, but yeah, that like these little tricks are things that you learn. This is just like a simple thing for new entrepreneurs is that if you're feeling a little bit unmotivated to, to do what you need to do that way, go sit in a coffee shop. It's nice. It's just nice to like strike up a conversation with someone. Um, I don't ever like, don't do that as a networking thing that never works, but, but just to be in an energy, like getting your energy up a little bit, that help that helps me so, so much. Um, so yeah, that's, that's another, that's a, like a good, simple, um, entrepreneur hack. Can you tell us more about East West? Yeah. So, um, yeah, like I said, we're, we're one of the, I think before COVID, we were like the third largest yoga teacher training company in the world. Yoga works went out of business. So I think we're like second behind core power. I think I, I don't like, no, I don't have any like data to support that, but it, it, it I, I'm, I don't know of anyone who's larger than us and we're not, the yoga training space is not like these big conglomerate companies. So we're not this like massive company. We're a small team. Um, but our East West, I would say the reason that we have worked is that we have this commitment to not just include I think in a lot of like yoga trainings, it'll be like, we have this teacher Skyping in from India and he's going to like give a our lecture. Um, our Indian teachers are deeply embedded in our organization. So they're my friends they're my, um, they're, they're becoming partners in the company. They're, they, they're involved in structuring it from the, from the ground up. So that influence of, of the Indian tradition is like really uh, deeply embedded in our culture. Um, our core team is Vijat, who I mentioned, who's like 30 year old Vedic master, sweetest person in the world, a former Buddhist monk, Greg Budulis, um, Christine Anderson, who's been teaching yoga for like 10 years, um, in the U S just, she's awesome. Um, and yeah, we, we, uh, it's, it's just, it's the coolest. It's the, to me, it's the coolest thing happening on the planet. And I mean that honestly, because it's just, it feels like this really, really unique combination of like tradition 
and modern. Like we bring a lot of the Western stuff, you know, Greg, who I mentioned, he's a former Buddhist monk. He's also trained as a life coach and he brings like, he has that really sort of like structured focused approach to love, you know, to living with compassion. And so all of our teachers have this really unique combination of East and West. And yeah, it's just our trainings are, they're like nothing that happens on the planet and, and that I know of. And our, our students just, we, we, our students leave our trainings, I think, feeling like they both did very deep spiritual work, but also leave like ready to be a professional. And I think that's unique because I think a lot of times when we do healing work, we're sort of incapacitated because we're like processing childhood trauma. And I think that to me, that that stuff should happen really slowly and gradually. You should also the the other part of making a, a really harmonious life is like your dharma, you know, and we, we really, we really set that as a, as a aspiration for our students to find their dharma. And we do a lot of work with them to do that. So, um, yeah, it's, it's been such a blessing, honestly. And it feels like one of those things that it wasn't, it just honestly got, it was not my idea. Like the name, the, the moment I decided to actually do it, I was the founder of another company that had just raised $4 million and I got this channel in that in, on the day that that happened is like, Adam, this is the time to actually step into, to, to doing teacher trainings, which was always kind of my pipe dream. Can you imagine that? Like your company raises $4 million and you get a different channel. I know. I saw one of those blue lights when you told me that. It it was really (laughs) crazy. And it even told me the name. It said East West. I was like, I don't like that name. And I was like, well, I know what that, I know enough about that channel to listen. And I did. Um, And two two weeks later, my, my business partners in the venture that I had mentioned that had raised $4 million kind of like did a, kind of conspired to remove me from the position to, you know, that's an old story. I'm not like that. I think that was actually kind of wise what they did to be honest, but it put me in this situation where, you know, here it is. And it's been a blessing. And it's like, I feel like the way I can describe it is like, imagine you had a kid and you're like, my kid's going to be a doctor and they're going to be the best doctor and I'm going to raise them that way. And then they become this world famous artist. And you're like, that's pretty cool. It doesn't feel like it's from me though. And that's what, that's what it feels like. East West has just taken on this life of its own. Um, I really feel like people's businesses and creations are their own beings or entities and we steward them into existence, 100%. but like being receptive and listening and, to them, which is very different from, I think where most people operate now is from, I have a vision, meaning my mind has mm-hmm. this vision, which is very, very, very different. This took me a long time to understand the distinction between a vision of my mind, which is like, I think the world should be this way and I'm going to make the world be this way. Like I'm going to make the world be healthy, right? (laughs) That's a vision. That's so unhealthy versus I'm going to nurture this thing and I'm going to serve this thing and see where it goes and be along for the ride. It's completely different. And if I had to say anything, I used to be so stressed. I used to put so much pressure on myself to, to create. It's because I was, I was trying to fit the world into my projection of how it should be. Right. And that's, and I think that's what it's you're talking control, about. And it's, yeah. it's control. It's, it's so miserable. And I just see, I see, and, and, and it never works. I'll tell you that never works. And when you switch that orientation to be like, okay, what's my life right now? And how do I just provide value to people? 
How do I be of service? How do I be of value to people? It's from that where true visions are born, right? And and you just follow it. You follow the moments. Um, so what's your philosophy on like following your highest excitement? To do that. Yeah, <laughs> that's it. I like, I, I've made like so many, I've fucked up in so many ways in life. The only thing that I've done that I think I can say has led me to, you know, my life now, which I really like, um, is I just follow my excitement and I don't need to know why I don't know why I'm living in Portland. I just love it. I, I have no reason. I didn't have friends here. I didn't like think it through. It's just, I just knew that I wanted to live here. It was exciting. It lit up my heart. There was a little spark there. Um, I did that when I went to India. I don't know why I wanted to go to India and do a yoga training. I've never, I've never been a yoga teacher and I've never wanted to be, but my heart wanted to have that experience. And every year it's different. And, and, and it's, it, it unfolds in a different way. And that's the fun is to, is to not get stuck in what you're doing now. You know, for me, a big part of mine now is like, is, 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 is art. I'm, I'm really taking that very seriously this year of being an artist and the way I didn't plan this, I didn't know this was going to happen, but the way that's trained my brain has been the best training that has influenced everything that I do creatively and in relationships and just my mind, like the frequency of my mind. Um, so, so those, I, I, I explain it to people like those hits of excitement, of curiosity of like, man, I just want to do this. I just want to go to Japan. Right. I just want to, I just want to go hike the, the PCT, like these things that, these things that we are dreaming about, you know, they're like, they're like bread divinity's breadcrumbs and, and every year they'll leave you a new one. Right. And you just follow it. And that's kind of all you need to do. And the, 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 the energy, the vitality, the, the work ethic, all of that comes when you keep following those. Um, I remember you, you turned me on to Sahara, Sahara Rose. And she talks about how, I think it was like after she wrote her first book, she's like, I just, I just really want to do a DJ training. And she did that. And that's like her thing now. She's like the she's like the Instagram Dharma DJ kind of person. Yeah, and, and that's like what the she, pandemic happened shortly after the training, and she right. ended up like doing these um, sets like on IG Live totally. to like help cheer people up when and the pandemic And wouldn't you know it? Of course, those are the things that people get that usually make people known for stuff because that's source, that's source speaking. Nobody's ever seen the Dharma DJ. It's new, it's original, right? And that's when you know that it's source. Source isn't in like the crusty old people do, saying the same stuff from 5,000 years ago. Source is, is manifests as new in this time and every moment, right? And it's just, it's so rewarding to be a, a participant in that, you know? So yeah, that's, that's how I look at it is, um, it's just, that's kind of all that's happening in my life is just, just following that. I don't really like have, there's no like additional strategy or process for me. That's pretty magical. <laughs> <laughs> I think sometimes when, you know, I'm like hearing the kind of resistance questions that people have toward following one's excitement where it's like, what if it's just an addictive, you know, dopamine hit? Yeah. Or yeah. Yeah. What if yeah, it's yeah. like, not, you know, and I think that 
as I was hearing those questions come up and just like, like, where are those even coming from? Like thinking about how following your highest excitement does challenge the routine drudgery of life and the thought forms that want to keep that alive. Right. As well as the, like, there's something decisive about following your highest excitement and there's a trust that the path will unfold because, um, you know, you said the thing about, I don't know why I moved to Portland and I'm, you know, and that was good for me to hear because I also don't know why I moved to Portland. Yeah, but none I'm of us not, know why we're here. <laughs> <laughs> you know, yeah, but no I can't knows. say that it's like I've had, you know, ups and downs of doubt or like, whoa, what have I done or where should I live and all of that. Right. So. And I think actually travel is a really good one to see. If, if you're having trouble tuning into that voice and what that is, travel is a really good way to discover it. And, and cause it's easy, you know, relatively easy for most people. You're like, I just, I just want to go to this place. And I don't know. And every time I follow that, there's a lesson there, like a deep soul lesson of something from the culture or something from the land that you get that it changes. Like Marcel Proust says his quote, um, I, something along the lines of like, I travel not to seek new experiences, but rather have new eyes. Hmm. And, and yeah, that's what it's about is, is your, you're not doing, you're not doing, you're not following these little hits of excitement to accomplish something. You're following it to develop new eyes. Uh, so yeah, travel, yeah, travel is explore a, and learn. yeah, travel is yeah. a good way to start that because like, you don't have to like do much other than just show up and, you know, and travel alone. I think you gotta travel alone. I think that's, that's one of the keys. Awesome. Sage yeah. advice. I feel like you have a way of, um, channeling through your speech like i feel like you're just being but you Hmm. have like a lot of insight that you just casually drop well yeah i mean that's what happens when you live alone and like you don't really interact with people it's like yeah you have some a lot of thoughts that you that you want to share like (laughs) i never had that experience of like man i really i really want to share some stuff like i i you know i've always like been more of like a student of life when you spend time alone yeah you you really process life at a more immediate level Um, and I do, I do feel like I have stuff to share and that's that a lot of is, was the inspiration in, in starting this, this Dharma group. Um, are, are, are we coming to the the end? Um, can I just give the details of that? Yeah. So it's, we, we meet every Saturday, uh, and it's two hours and it's an open group. You can join at any time. Um, and every week we just, we talk about stuff like this, you you go through a guided process in the first couple months as you're working on your project. And so it's not a course where it's like, Hey, I might be doing this in two years. Everyone in the group is working on their project. Everyone is leaving their job. And so you're receiving reflections and support and mentorship. Oh yeah. Being yeah. in communities like that. We're oh. doing that right now in Meteorite. Like everyone everything. has a creative project yep. and I love the group field. It's like being in college again and like being in writing classes and everyone's writing. hundred percent like- because really what that does, it helps with focus because you have one thing to show up to. And, and if you get to group, share it. You get to share group. it. And, and it's low pressure. And if, and if, you know, if, if you, made a sale that week. Great. Or if you did nothing, you come back and you're like, all right, I, I need to remember to, that this is important to me. So yeah, that's the function of the group. And it's, um, it's, uh, yeah, it's a lot of fun. We do, we dance and we connect and, um, people in our groups, it's, it's all live on zoom. And the people are in our groups are like, 
arranging their own stuff, like arranging events on their own. They're like people meet up and it's, it's really fun. We, we, our, our community is, is, um, people all over the world. So cool. We'll we'll leave the link for that in the notes. And how can people find you find East West? If you want to find me, uh, you can find me on Instagram. It's inner harmonies. Um, East West, it's yogaeastwest.com. That's for our, our yoga trainings. We have ones coming up uh, next month in Costa Rica. And then the rest of the year will be in Bali. We have one in Guatemala in October also. Awesome. Yeah. Well, thank, thank you, you so, so much, much for having me. This is, this is really fun. Yeah. Thanks for joining me. Thank you for listening. If you enjoy this podcast, I would love to read your review on Apple Podcasts or iTunes. If you take a screenshot of your review before you click submit and email it to me at sabrina at monarchastrology.com, I'll send you a resource library about creating and elevating your reality. Several hours of content around the intersections between astrology and manifestation, exploring especially the Leo Aquarius axis in regards to that. This library has one of my favorite talks I've ever given called Play and the Evolution of Alternate Realities. And if you're listening at this moment in time, say before July 19th, 2021, please back the Kickstarter. The link is in the notes. You know, there's such an abundance um, on this podcast in terms of like really elevating and sparkly conversations and insight about the planetary transits through the forecast. All of that is labor um, and it's not paid unless um, you help, basically, because I'm self-employed and the forecasts and the podcasts are a great way for people to find me, you know, potentially work with me one on one, get a reading join my evolutionary astrology intensive, which is an amazing immersive experience to deepen your relationship with astrology. However, even for people who don't go into being in a container with me or being in a, or being in a coaching relationship with me, there's so much benefit from listening to this podcast as I've been told by you. Um, So I would really love your support for a year ahead of more free, freely available to the public content. Consider this like public radio. Um, And if you love it here, please gift back through the Kickstarter and let me gift you with more opportunities to deepen your relationship with magic and enchantment and astrology, as well as this new creative writing course, which I'm really excited to be in a group of people exploring the craft of writing together. The link for Image Hive, if you want to learn more about that course, is in the notes, as well as the link to the Evolutionary Astrology Intensive. And you can find the link to Online Presence's performance art through the Kickstarter as well. Thank you so much for listening. I hope that you are having an enchanting and beautiful day. Mm-hmm.